with Jesus really is a journey, journey on, on earth. And what we need to do is learn how to grow in this journey with him. But let's pray. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, for this time. Lord, I pray that every heart get ready to receive your word, Father God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, your will be done. Lord, I push aside my thoughts, my ideas, my opinions, what I think, Lord. Use my lips to speak what you want to speak. Let the words penetrate and pierce our hearts. Minister us into many different ways, Father God. Be personal with us today, Lord. I give you this series, Father God, of journey. Let people see your goodness and your faithfulness as you increase in our lives. In Jesus' name we say and pray, we all say, Amen. So today really is about learning the qualities of being and being made a disciple. Do you all know when we uh, accepted Jesus for the first time, that was called salvation. You'll hear the term born again. You'll also hear another term called you, you, were you saved or I'm saved. And reality is you've converted from the world and in slavery of the patterns to freedom and a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's what happened when you guys, maybe you raised your hand, maybe you're watching the television and he led you to the Lord, but there's a point in life when we came to Jesus, not just knowing about Jesus and following just traditions, but actually accepting him as Lord and Savior. There's a point in your life where you've confessed, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. I've messed up. And I'm sorry. Then you've repented, which means I'm sorry. And you've turned away from that sin. And you've asked for God's mercy and forgiveness. And supernaturally or in the spiritual realm, what happens is the Bible says that God, Jesus' blood covers all your sin. And that really is an exciting experience for all of us. Think about your experience for a second. When you said yes to Jesus and you said, I, I, I want him. At that moment, you became a Christian. In other words, that word Christian is we're baby Christ. We are like little Christ on earth. Who's a little Christ here? Man, you guys are not excited. Who's a little Christ here? I mean, you got to get excited about that because what's happening is though the world's not changing and problems are still there, you, the believer, is becoming transformed. You, the believer... You're the one that's being transformed and changed from the inside out. And the thing is this. Today, I want to talk to you the difference between a, being a Christian, which, by the way, hear my words. It is a good thing that we're Christians, okay? But also what it takes to be a disciple. Everyone say disciple. You know, I've had many conversations, especially the last few weeks. I have many, many conversations with you guys. People in this room, uh, when we're maybe in passing or I've seen you during the week or we had an appointment or I've seen you somewhere else, the, the conversation I'm having is, man, I want more of God. I just don't know where, what to do or how to go about. I've had it like, how, how do I learn? How do I grow? Uh, how do I study more? And what I'm hearing is this. This is what I'm hearing. I'm hungry for God, and I want to increase in level with him. I want to increase in relationships with him. And that indicator right there shows that you're ready to take the next step. You know, when Jesus called his 12 disciples, did you know that it started as first follow me? Then discipleship happened in the journey as they were going? You see, when we accept Jesus, we're not just automatically disciples. And if you think that, I'm squashing it right now. Here's the thing. To become a disciple, you need to understand you need to take a journey with Jesus on earth. And there's going to be some hardships you're going to be going through. Some tough times. Jesus says this world is full of troubles. 
full of troubles. But stick with me, he says, and I'll show you how to overcome every single obstacle as we go. Every storm that you see in your life, maybe you're in the midst of a storm right now. Jesus says there is a way out. Maybe there's a body of water or a mountain that you're looking at you have to climb. Jesus says there is a way, there is a will for your life. You know, Matthew, let me remind you, we hear this a lot. Matthew 28, Jesus says this in verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make, everyone say make, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That word make in the scripture that we just read, that word make shows us that there's a process of becoming a disciple. Now, today is not about talking about what can we do to reach other people. I'm talking about you personally, me personally. What are you doing? What are you allowing God to do and the people around you to make you a disciple? There's a process that we're going to have to walk. You know, discipleship can be a curriculum. Discipleship can be a program that we can go through. But reality is discipleship is a lifestyle with Jesus. Allowing that lifestyle to take total authority of your life. It's not, okay, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a work coworker here, I'm a father here, I'm a husband here, and then I'm a disciple at church. No, 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 no. Discipleship is your life. Disciple, being a disciple is your identity of who you are. So when you're a husband or a wife or when you're a father or a mother or when you're a coworker or a boss, you are still a disciple for Jesus Christ first. Because it's so easy. I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now, but positions can be replaced. Easy. But your identity in Christ can never be taken away the moment you say yes to Jesus. Are you guys here? Steve's here. I hear him laughing right now. <laughs> you know, that, that, that word disciple, and I just kind of paraphrase the definition for you really quick, really is just being a student of Jesus. It's saying, I, I want to be a student, and I want to be like my teacher. I want to be like, you know, that word discipline comes out of the word disciple when you discipline yourself to do what god wants you to do when you train yourself in the way of the lord when you when you get into what god wants for you and you discipline yourself even though i want to go that route even though man she looks good or women wow what a hottie over there even though you have a natural desire to do what you want to do and, and, and how you want to act, if you discipline yourself in the way God wants you to go, there's great reward in your journey. There is a higher cost for you and for people that are around you when you allow discipleship to be in your life. But like I said, the word make shows that there's a process. It's not going to be an overnight deal. You know, there is a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. We start as Christians, and we are Christians, by the way, but we need to grow into becoming disciples. I remember the, um, the first time I've ever heard the good news. Now, we all know John 3.16. I mean, we can probably quote it without putting it on the screen, but we're going to put it on the screen anyways, okay? But John 3.16 says, um, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. I'll say that again, shall not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. I remember 
this scripture right here popped out to me, and it really is what brought me to salvation. I got saved a while ago, but the night before, and it was on a Sunday here, but the night before, it was a Saturday night. I had friends talk to me and my wife, which we were dating at the time, and at that moment, they were sharing about hell. They were not talking about the grace of God and the goodness of God, and they were talking to me about hell. And what they were saying is, I don't want you to perish like John 3.16 says. And what really happened is what caused me to be a Christian was I just didn't want to go to hell. And so when they were sharing me these things about the Bible and the end times and what's ha happening, I say this in a joking way, but they literally scared the hell out of me. <laughs> literally. Because I didn't want to go to that road. And I remember thinking, okay, what do I need to do? And they're like, just come to church with me. That's all it was. And the next day happened and my journey began with Jesus. We all start there, and Jesus says, my mission that I came to this earth, according to John 3, 16, the mission of why I came here to this earth was to save you from perishing forever. You see, God's intention was never for you to perish, but sin came. Sin came, the devil came, and divided mankind and God, therefore we live in a fallen world. Here, here's the deal. We can be pumped up and excited about changing this world and standing for what we need to stand for. But here's the reality. There are worldly issues and there are kingdom issues. And God wants you to focus on the kingdom issues. And that's people's hearts. Don't worry about these other things or what side are you on. No, don't, don't talk to me about that. Because all I want is people to come to Jesus. I want us to continue to be faithful here on earth. And do those important things as citizens, but remember, you're also a citizen of heaven. And there are kingdom issues that you need to take care of here on earth. And because of that kingdom in you, you get to fear not. I'll say that again. You get to fear not. Jesus says it 365 times in the Bible. Or God says it through Old Testament, New Testament. Fear not. One for every day. Now, I don't know if that's prophetic or not, but I kind of just did math. And, I, you know, when I do something good in math, it's awesome. I feel great about it. So I don't get that much. That's why, okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. There's a point where we become Christians, but Jesus' desire is not for us to stay as just a Christian. He wants you to grow into becoming a disciple. And so what we do is we try our best to offer things for you. Yeah, we give you a book. We let you know what's going on. We tell you to fill out a connection card. We connect you with people. But there's a point where you're going to have to get off of my faith and ride on the faith between you and God on, on your own. You know, I just did a quinceanera last, uh, what was it, Friday, guys? Remind me who's here. Was it Friday? Friday, okay. And I did a quick little blessing ceremony over her. And I, had, I, I, wanted to, I just wanted to, to, to just make it meaningful for her. You know, and if you don't know what a quinceanera, it's like a sweet 16, but it's 15 years old, okay? And I got to pray over her, and I had to, I had to let her know and remind her, look, this is a point in your life where you ride, get off of the ride of mom and dad's faith in Jesus and start creating your own faith in Jesus. And in a sense, it's the same thing. You know, you, you ride with some people because they're teaching you when you first came to Jesus, but discipleship saying, look, I'm going to get off that ride and create my own ride between me and Jesus and start walking a journey on my own. Because we will fail you. I, Jesse, will fail you sometimes, but Jesus will never fail you. So if you put an expectation on me, expecting me to fix your problem, so sorry. I'm going to fail you guys because I'm also a child of God. But the man that can never fail you, his name is Jesus. 
Everyone say Jesus. He will get you to where you're needing to go. He will show you what you need to do. But it's a journey. It's a process that we need to go in. You know, um, there's a story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's Luke chapter 15, uh, and it's 11 through 32. Uh, I don't know if they have a reference scripture up there for them, but put it up there so you guys can write that down later because I want you to read that, Luke 15. But there's a story about a prodigal son. Uh, it's called the prodigal son. And this story, actually, uh, it's about a father and two sons, okay? And the youngest son goes to the dad and says, Dad, give me all my inheritance. I don't want to wait till you die. Just give me my stuff. Give me my half of, of the estate and let me just be. And the, the Bible says that the, the father gave it to him and that the kid, the young son, left the country to, get, to go and have a wild life is what the Bible says. He had a wild life. And while he's having this wild life, he blows all that was given to him, everything, to the point where he's eating what the pigs eat in a pen. And, and then the Bible says that he comes to his senses, is how the Bible says it. it it's, it's one of those aha moments. Everyone go, aha. <laughs> he has one of those aha moments, and he has, says, man, huh, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow here, but if I just go back to my dad's house and he hires me because he has hired servants, he can make me one of his hired servants. And I can at least have food and guaranteed some stuff. That's better than the life I'm living right now. And so the Bible says he goes back to his dad. His, his dad and, and him meet, and he tells his dad this. He says, Father, forgive me. I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against heaven. Make me one of your servants. And I share that story because as a son, even in rebellion, he still was a son and in the family. And even in repentance, he was a son and in the family. His identity and who he was never changed. And this is where the, the, the punch is going to happen, I don't believe. He started out with, give me, give me, give me. And he ended up with, make me, make me, make me. Give me, give me, give me. Make me, make me, make me. Why am I saying that? Because in the beginning, and I'm, I'm in this as well too, it's always about God. Can you give me, give me, give me? Bless me, bless me, bless my wife, bless our children, make my life abundant. And that is good, okay? But we have to grow to a position in discipleship where we're saying, God, make me, make me, make me. And when we say, God, make me, guess what's going to happen? Make me patient. Guess what's going to happen? Your kids are going are to test your patience. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> Make, make me the best worker. Okay, guess what's coming your way? I, I, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, God wants us to grow. And so, you know, God is, you know, my patience. And, and this is what we want. Give me patience, God. Give me, give me patience. And, and no, no, it should be, God, make me a patient man or woman. Make me a patient person. Can you see? I mean, we go into worship, and we're ready to worship, and, you know, we start off with me, 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 and then we get into it. Some of that went over you guys' head. Okay. <laughs> me, get it, selfish? Okay. All right. Anyways. <laughs> but we should go in you, God, all of you. What do you want me to do? And worship you, and let's put my agenda to the side. Let me just, uh, just, just make me what you want to make me, God, because I need you right now on this earth. I always tell some of my friends... And I'm not giving you guys the authority of this one, okay? But I, I always tell them, if I ever say I got it, slap me as hard as you can. 
because I don't got it. That was not uh, an authority or anything to given to you because I'm <laughs> left and right. <laughs> but what I'm saying is we start out as young believers, which is okay, of give me, give me, give me. But we have to learn to grow into make me, make me, make me. Because Jesus says, go make disciples. Let the process happen. The world's not going to change. Your problems are not going to change. But you as a believer will change. Did you know that word believer is literally is a saint? So when we say we're believers, you're calling yourself a saint of Jesus Christ. And you are a saint with a moment you, in, you step in with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Mark 1.17, he says to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus called the 12. But did you know, and here it is, did you know Jesus called more than 12? Only 12 answered? We never thought about that for a second. He called more than 12 people. Only 12 recorded answer. I mean, we go to Matthew chapter 19, uh, and it's verse 16 through 22, and it's about a rich man. A rich man goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, Jesus, what do I need to do to get this everlasting life or this eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and says, go sell all your wealth, go sell all your stuff, give it to the, to the poor, and come follow me. And the Bible says that he was sad or that he was sorry depending what what translation it was he was sad he was sorry and that he didn't follow and the reason why he didn't follow was because he had great wealth Jesus actually told the disciples it's because great wealth is what he had but reality is this he didn't have great wealth great wealth had him great wealth had a hold of him to the point where this because of stuff he didn't follow Jesus because of stuff on earth and how comfortable he was, he chose not to follow. And he was very sad about it when Jesus said, let it go. And then Jesus goes into this whole teaching about it. There's one follower that didn't go that Jesus called and said, come follow me. You go to Matthew 8, uh, 18 through 22. There's another man. Okay, and, this, and Jesus calls this man and he says, hey, come follow me is what Jesus says to him. And the man goes, okay, 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 my dad just passed away. Let me bury him, and then let me take care of some of the business, and then I'll go and do and follow you. And Jesus tells him, go let the, bury, the dead bury the dead and just come follow me. And the man chooses not to, and he doesn't follow Jesus because of earthly relationships. Earthly relationships is what stopped this man to becoming a follower and a disciple for Jesus Christ. I share those two things. It's because what's stopping us from growing if there is that point? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not doing that. This is another heart check moment, okay? What's stopping us from growing? Is it stuff? Is it earthly relationships from us, our full potential in Jesus and growing? I'm a Christian. I believe and I read my Bible. But are you allowing God to work in you for eternity? Not just for the moment. You know, hardships happen. I'm not justifying what people go through. We go through some garbage. We do. But none of that garbage is too big for God. I don't care what is being thrown at you. The devil can throw the kitchen sink at you. I don't care. Jesus is bigger than that. He is mightier than that. We just have to choose not to be defined by that. 
We can't let the wealth or the stuff or the car or the, or the house or, or the relationship, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the, whatever it is. We can't let those things stop us from growing to becoming disciples for Jesus. Not question salvation, I'm not, but I'm questioning the growth of where we're going because Jesus says the purpose of all this to happen is for you to grow. And then our question shouldn't be, why, God? Why me? Why am I? I'm so good, and I didn't do nothing. That's not, nothing about why, but what, God? What are you doing? What are you want to work in me right now to make me so I can be? You know, yesterday I got to teach at, in, in the Granville area, and, and we did an act. It's called activation, and it's where we pray for people. And I had a young man walk up to me, and he said, pray for me. And I said, okay. And as soon as I touched his head forward, I, I didn't even know what he wanted me to pray about. I just touched him. And I knew there was a father wound in him. And I said, is it a father wound? He says, yes, yes. And he just bawled his eyes out. And, I, and, and the whole time was, why me? Why am I going through this? And I said, start flipping the question and saying, what is God doing through me in this? Because reality is, when you let God work, you're going to be in my position one day, and you're going to look at another man coming up to you and say, it's a father wound. And you're going to say, hey, <laughs> I, I relate. I feel you. Let me, let me share some things with you. That's the making of a disciple. That's the making of a disciple. He was a believer. He's a Christian. But the making was happening. And he understood at that moment, I'm going to walk some stuff, and it's going to be uncomfortable moments, but I want to be made by God, not by my thoughts, my opinions, what I think, by people, by my stuff. I want to be made by God. The question Actually, let me go on this one. Matthew, in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, no compromising. No compromising with God and his word. And when we come to a compromising moment, when we come to a place where we're, we're thinking, well, I can do a little bit of this, but I also can do this with Jesus, and I can come here a little bit, but then I'm going to go over here, we're compromising what God's telling us to do. Because Jesus, he, he was all in. Boom. He was all in when he thought of you. And he expects us to be all in when we come to him. He wants us to grow in that, okay? So the questions that we should be asking ourselves is this. Are we passionate followers or just in a bless me club? Just bless me, God. Bless me. Because Jesus wants a passionate follower. And you will be blessed, by the way, when you do that. Are you a consumer Christian or a devoted disciple? That's where God wants to take us, is to become devoted, not just a devotion in the morning, but devoted in a lifestyle. Now, devotions are good for us, but we need to be devoted in everything that we are. I'm not saying we need to be flawless. We need to be perfect. He wants us just to grow in maturity with him because we will miss it. But God's grace walks with us, and his grace is renewed every morning is what the Bible says. And that is for us to walk in every step of the way. You know, the purpose of life is not to be happy. And I'm going to say this very carefully. The purpose of life is not to be happy. The purpose of life is to be holy. And then happiness comes along. And holy is not saying, oh, yes, don't touch me. Oh, that's, not that's not holiness. Holiness is just separating, separating yourself from things that are not of God. Okay, so, and, and I'm not saying people, you don't just, you know, this whole deal and, and be rude to them and say, well, I'm holy, you guys go party over there, you heathens, you know, none of, none of that, 
<laughs> not saying that. It's just choosing to not take on a lifestyle that they have, but being an influence on them. That's holiness. That's holiness of saying, you know what? I'm going to hang out with these people just because I'm going to have a mission. I have to deal with them real quick. And a lot of it is family. Let's just be honest. Cookouts. Cookouts, man, that's a battlefield. I'm just saying that right now. Or is it just me? Is it just me for real? <laughs> you know, things rise up. Things go on. You know, you want to talk about something you did a year ago. And, you know, or my kid's faster than your kid. And, you know, all this stuff. My dad could beat up your dad. We have the same dad. No, you know, I'm just playing. <laughs> the purpose of life is not to pursue happiness, but to pursue his holiness in us. Happiness will come along because when you fulfill God's plan and for your life, he will bring that strength. He will bring that joy. He will bring that happiness. And a circumstance won't make it happen. A circumstance. All the money in the world in your account won't make it happen. Jesus Christ makes that happen. Jesus Christ. Everyone say Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. Holiness. A way that pleases God. In other words, what, what the scripture is saying is take God seriously. Take his living in a way he wants you to live seriously because, because, there's always a because, because other people's lives are at stake. Other people's destination, the perishing part of it, is at stake right now. And right now it is not, it's never been, but right now more than ever, it, it, is, not, it is not time to take God lightly and say, well, I'll just repent later, or I just want to do my thing, and I'm just too young for this. I need to enjoy my life. No, you'll have a pleasant life with Jesus as well, too. But because you think I can do this later, you could be missing it maybe with someone that you cross paths with. People's lives are at stake, is what, uh, according to 1 Thessalonians, is what it's saying. So we need to not take God lightly and just increase in knowledge. And let me tell you something, okay? I'm a, I'm a devoted d a disciple for Jesus. I'm a follower. I'm a Christian. I, I, I love Jesus. And I'm having a blast in life. It's fun. It's happiness. Doesn't mean I don't go through garbage. I go through a lot of garbage. I just choose not to allow it to affect my identity of who I am. And it's constant walking and journeying with God. And everywhere I go, because when I want to put my head down, Jesus says, hey, 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 don't put your head down. Don't put your head down. When I want, I'm like, oh, shucks, God. God said, no, 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 buck up, dude. You have eternal life. And then I'm like, yeah. And he shows me what matters in life, what he's put in my life, and I realize, man, all these things I'm going through, yeah, it's not fun, but I at least can breathe right now, and at least I have a hope, and I can be a light, and then before you know it, somebody crosses my path, and they say, I need prayer, and I'm like, sweet, I got an opportunity. In the midst of my storm, I still can pray for somebody and be a light to their world because that storm doesn't identify. Your storms doesn't identify of what you're able to do in Christ. It's the Jesus in you that does it. And Jesus says, I'll deliver you. I'll make sure you get to the other side. You know, there's a difference between knowing the Bible and doing the Bible. You know, this is kind of common sense a little bit, but here's the deal. There's a, when you know something, God expects us to do something. Make it applicable in our lives. When you read the Bible and you know you're supposed to love your, love your friends and love your mom and love your dad, and then you go to the part where it says love your enemies, feed them when they're hungry, give them something to drink when they're thirsty. It's like we didn't hear that. La, 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 you know, and then we go on, and, and it's like we can love 
family and friends and those that we talk to easy, but he also says those that, don't, that oppose you, don't like you, and you cross paths with them, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because I'm telling you what to do. And now the option of knowing versus doing is activated in your life. And you're at a fork in the road and you have to choose. Okay, I'm journeying with Jesus. There's this opportunity. Jesus has already taken that route. I'm like, oh man, which one are you going to take? Are you going to continue the journey with him? Or are you going to say, you know what? I'll meet you when I loop back around Jesus. And then we kind of get lost in the woods. There's a difference between knowing and doing. When you look in the Bible, and by the way, doing requires faith, okay? Faith in Jesus. You can't do it by yourself, all right? But here's the thing. When the Bible, when you read the Bible, the Bible says, by faith. Everyone say, by faith. The Bible says, by faith, Abel, that's Cain's brother in the beginning, Abel gave a more excellent offering. Gave, okay? It says, by faith, Enoch walked with God. By faith, Noah built an ark, and his family was saved. This is by faith, Abraham obeyed and left Ur to a place that God sent him that he had no idea where he was going to go. By faith, they all did something. They did something with what they believed and they heard God tell them to do. And that's what created them to be students of the Almighty God, disciples of the Almighty God. Bible faith is acknowledging the truth that it's real and I believe it, but then acting on the truth is where God wants to take us. So I'm going to close it with this, okay? And I want you to hear me out clearly. I'm going to talk about what's the difference between Christians and disciples. And we are all Christians, okay? So don't say, well, I'm not a Christian. No, no, none of that, okay? But I want you to see what we need to take from here and we need to grow into here. But a Christian, which by the way, baby Christ, we're young, we're, we're still infants in Christ, okay? Christians express their feelings, their thoughts, their opinions above the word of God. And they focus on themselves. While a disciple exalts the word of God above their feelings, above their thoughts, above their opinions. Actually, when they face something and they, there's an option to talk or, or do or, or whatever it is, their first thought is, what does the word of God say? That's their first thought. What does the word of God say? And God wants us to get to a point where every decision we make Everything that we say comes and filters through the word of God. You know, Jesus had a lot of quiet moments because God didn't release him to speak. I mean, there's a point in the Bible where he's being accused and, and, and Pontius Pilate tells him, I, I have the authority. And then he speaks and says, the only reason why you had that is because of my daddy. But beforehand, he didn't because God didn't tell him to. He filtered and listened. And we need to practice that more often. Christians go to church to hear the word and gain knowledge, while disciples go to church to learn and do, to learn to do God's word on this earth. Christians serve God when it's convenient for them, while disciples serve God even when it's inconvenient. Take up your cross daily is what Jesus said sacrifice, no to self, yes to him. Christians follow when everything is going well while disciples follow even when their whole world is falling apart. Even when everything is falling apart, they still are devoted to God. They're still devoted to Jesus. They're still in his presence. They're still worshiping. They're still connecting with the church. They're still in their word of God. They're still saying, I'm going to continue to fight the good fight of faith even when I feel like it's unfair for me. Even when I feel like I can't do this, God is my strength and I will keep going forward. 
God wants us to grow from here to here, and he wants that to be a lifestyle, not a Sunday morning thing, not a Sunday and a Wednesday night thing, but a lifestyle. We all start as Christians. Don't get me wrong. We're Christians, okay? But we need to learn to grow to become disciples of Jesus Christ and not allow the waves, allow the waves of this world to just toss us back and forth. But we need to learn to walk on these waves called life. And not let us, let it impact our hearts by offense or by guilt or by shame. But by saying, you know what, I'm not conformed to that. I'm going to keep moving forward. Jesus said it this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, in Habakkuk 3, uh, verse 17 through 19, it's a prophet Habakkuk, by the way. And if you read that, I think it's three chapters in that, in that book. Habakkuk comes to God and he complains. Even in the heading it says Habakkuk's complaint. Like he's complaining to God about what's going on in life and how these people are pursuing and overthrowing and killing and doing all this stuff. And there's so much injustice going on. And, you know, in other words, government is is skewered and, and all this is happening. God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And then it goes on to the next passage and God gives him an answer. And he tells him what he's doing. Then it goes on to chapter 2, and it says Habakkuk's second complaint. And he goes back to God, but this is happening, it's unfair, and all this is happening, and we're being faithful, and yet it just, it's unjust in what's happening. And then it goes on to God's answer, and God tells them what he is doing. Have we ever complained to God? I'm going to be honest. Have we ever complained to God of, man, why, man? Why do I have to go through this again? I thought I graduated that. You know, in life, I'm realizing something. I'm learning this. My wife and I are learning this. When we increase in levels with God and maturity, <laughs> when there's a new level, there's a new devil. In other words, there's, there, there's always going to be something that's going to uh, have you exercised by resisting the enemy. So Habakkuk has this one thing, and, and God gives him the answer. Then he has another complaint. Again, a prophet of, of, of God Almighty who hears God and is devoted to God complains again. And says something again, and God gives him the answer of what he's doing. So when I, when I say, when we ask God, why, 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 listen to what, what, what God is doing in our lives. And then Habakkuk, here's the answer from God again. And he close, it closes the book out with this passage right here, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. And Habakkuk says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. See, you got to remember culture then. That was their life. No fruit on the vine, nothing to eat today. No cattle, no sheep, no money to make, no milk. There's nothing. He's looking to a point in the natural where he's like, I'm broke. What we feel like when we have nothing in our accounts is what Habakkuk was feeling. He, he, he felt like, what am I going to do for tomorrow? And that's, now you can see the complaint of why he was talking to God, which, by the way, listen, he complained to God, not to people. He complained to God. And that's what we need to filter everything to God. But here, here, here's the deal. After God answered him and showed him, and he listened to what God was doing, 
he gave him praise. He said, no matter what I go through, no matter how empty it looks, no matter what I, I'm in, in the middle of, God, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And you are my joy. You are my God. You are my Savior. You are my strength. You make me like deer, uh, deer's feet where I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. That is God Almighty. That's what he has for all of us. But we have to choose to take the journey with him and become disciples of Jesus Christ. Will you become a disciple of Jesus Christ? So go ahead and close your head. Close your head. Close your eyes and bow your head. Close all your heads. <laughs> Just a little message for you guys to stir something up. And I'm praying that you guys find this and you find it applicable in your life. And that you go to the word of what we just talked about and see for yourself how good God is. How good Jesus is. Look, maybe you never heard Jesus in this way. But let me tell you something. We either perish with, or we perish without him, or we come to the family of God. And there's an opportunity for all of us to come to the family of God, so we don't have to worry about perishing. So my question to you is this. Have you accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life? I'm going to give you an invitation, because I just want to lead you in a prayer. Here's a second invite. Maybe you've just kind of been coasting it with God. You know God's calling you to do some stuff. You know it. You hear it. He's actually dropped it in your heart, but you get a little afraid of it. But for some reason, something's holding you back. Relationships, stuff. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as well, too, okay? I'm going to count through because I just want to lead you guys in a prayer. You're just going to recommit to God and say, God, grow me now, okay? Because no man on earth, no woman on earth can grow you. Only God Almighty can if you allow him to. But you're going to walk with him. Nobody else. So on the count of three, put your hand up. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Awesome. Awesome. Fifteen hands are up right now. Sixteen. You guys can put your hands down. This is just a simple charge to you. Go be his light. But filter everything through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Don't disqualify yourself, but say, I am an ambassador. I am a soldier for Jesus Christ. And no matter what, I want to make sure I'm hand-in-hand -hand with Jesus. Let's put all one hand over our hearts. We're going to do this as a church family. And if you believe this while you're hard, just repeat after me. Say, God, I believe you. I believe your Word. I believe the truth. And I know I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins, of everything. I'm asking you to move in me. Put your spirit in me. And by faith, I live for your mercy and your forgiveness, knowing I have a mission in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, amen. Amen. Oh, give it the Lord a hand clap.